Welcome to the Reckoning Podcast, where we stoke a campfire, gather around, and have real-life conversations with old friends, new friends, professionals, and just shoot the shit. Reckoning all things from hunting, outdoors, beauty, entrepreneurship, relationships, life, and more. It's all just a reckoning. I am joined by Sydney Smith, or you may know him on Instagram as try underscore no feet. He is a double amputee, Ironman triathlete, outdoorsman, dad, and motivational speaker. I have dubbed him as a total badass and an incredible guest because he is just that. He shares with us his leg loss story, how that led to competing in Ironman, overcoming challenges, and sticking to impossible goals. He also shares with us his recent outdoor adventures with hunting and fishing, and he shares his favorite recipes for smoking fish, which I love because it's been a long time since a guest shared a recipe with us, and you know we love to hear the recipes around here. Sydney and I also chat about disabled outdoorsmen and what he does with Do Utah organization, his and their upcoming adventures, and how you can help and participate in those, and so much more. I have to tell you, I was completely blown away by Sydney, his story, his outlook on life, and I had so much fun getting to chat with him. I know you're going to love this episode. You're going to have moments where you are just hitting the fillers and you feel inspired yourself. Welcome to Reckoning, Sydney. We came across each other on social media and like most, I was completely blown away by everything that you do. You've accomplished. You're a double amputee, an Ironman triathlete, outdoorsman, and dad. You are just a true badass. <laughs> but I want to go back before all this and kind of get a glimpse of like who Sydney is and how you were kind of introduced to the outdoors prior to being a dad and outdoorsman and all of that. Yeah, sure. No, I appreciate the. The kindness on the intro. I I, I wouldn't consider my ba- uh, myself as a badass. I'm just trying to keep up with you. So. Oh, uh huh. <laughs> but uh, I guess so. Who who was I before I got into the outdoors? Is your original question, um, or at least who I am beginning? I, I I grew up in Utah, so I've been in Utah my entire life. I grew up in the bubble, uh, good old Provo, Utah. Um, but as far as the outdoors goes, I've always been an outdoors kid. Um, you know, hunting and fishing, something that my dad and my brothers, we've always done. Um, it was kind of the big event in the fall to, to go deer hunting. Um, and it, but it really wasn't like, I guess most people say I'm obsessed with it now. That obsession didn't really take off until I was like, I don't know, late twenties, thirties, uh, when I started, you know, being, coming, trying to be more active. And then especially when I lost my legs, um, then I was really obsessed with it because it was almost like I got a second life. But, you know, it, you know, I grew up, you know, trying to do the best I can. I struggled with this disease that I was born with called the uh, charcoal Marie tooth. And uh, what it is, it's a progressive genetic uh, muscular dystrophy that um, my type was very severe as far as it limited the ability and the, um, the uh, transformation of my feet. And, um, so I had a normal body when I was a kid. And then when I got older, um, I started struggling with the muscles and then eventually the feet started breaking down, withering away and had lots of surgeries, had lots of, uh, uh, prosthetics and, or excuse me, orthotics to embraces kind of like what Forrest Gump wore, um, try to fix the problem. But 
Um, eventually just got worse and worse, got married and then had a few kids. And then eventually, um, it got to the point where, uh, walking was uh, a burden, like it to get to point A and point B was, was difficult for like, for example, like if I had to go to the back of the store, Walmart, I had to stop and sit down and rest at the, uh, dressing room just so I can get to the back of the store. And that's when I was like, you know what, this is not the kind of life I want to live. So, um, that's when, uh, um, I, you know, went to a bunch of specialists and they said, you really, you can't really do much with your feet. Um, he says like, so if you want to do a wheelchair, you can do that. Or, you know, would you be interested in trying out, um, prosthetics? And, and I was like, you know, of course that's a, a big thought process to think about, but yeah, that's something that I felt my wife, uh, we thought that that's going to be the best fit for us, even though I didn't know for sure that was going to work out. And I don't know any, I never even met an amputee, so I didn't even know what that was like. So, um, that's just what we felt was the best decision. So, um, 2015 is when that happened and, and, uh, here I am today. Wow. That is, I've always wondered, like, as people do, like, you know, what is the story behind like the leg loss? And it's so interesting to hear all that. And I can only imagine as parents sitting down and thinking about that and with your wife, like that there was very deep conversations had before. That's not a decision that you make lightly. No, no, it, it, you know, definitely like at the same time it was kind of a relief because I was in so much pain and it's like, you'll take whatever, like cut it off. What don't freak. I don't care. It's like, just get rid of them. Just ready to live life. Yeah. Ready to live life. But the part that got me the most worked up emotionally, spiritually, mentally was like the, like just being the provider for the family. Like I was, I had the job, I was going to work, you know, I wanted to still do things that I wanted to do to be happy. I wanted to play with my kids. I still wanted to, you know, be attracted to my wife and all those things I wanted still. And I didn't know for sure if that was going to be around. And that's what kind of made me more nervous, more so than, you know, how is this pain going to be like to be an amputee? Is, you know, are people going to look at me different? Am I going to be treated different? I'm going to be on disability and not have a job. Like those things were there, but what was the biggest concern was, can I still be a provider? Can I still be uh, the, the husband and the father that my kids and wife signed up for? Mm-hmm. Which is totally understandable. Is there something where you go through like any kind of program prior to getting this done and after like therapy where you're able to work these feelings out no it's funny that you bring that up like it it i wish there was because Mm -hmm. there's like even today there's still moments where like i i'm not saying like i'm you know depressed by any means but there's some moments that i wish that i was a little more prepared like there was a little bit of a shocker and i wish that i would have reached out to more people um you know, about more so my mental side of things. Cause when I lost my legs, I did go through some, in the very beginning, I did went through some depression, um, anxiety, uh, frustration, anger, 
um, you know, up, especially up leading to the surgery itself, because I was, you know, I was, I guess, more afraid of the unknown. Um, and then, you know, today it's not something that is prominent as much, but it's still, I know is there if I let it happen. Like if I let those demons start taking over my thoughts, then it, then it can easily, I can fall back onto a woe is me approach. But for the most part, like that was the one thing if I, when I talk to people today, that, you know, get my recommendation about amputation, I, I always say, hey, let's talk about this first to make sure you, that you're okay with it. Because it's not something that you can change your mind on after the fact. Like, unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's no technology yet, like, <laughs> have where we can grow our tails back. So. Yeah, exactly. I think that's fantastic that you're willing to talk about it, too. Because like you said, being able to have somebody to rely on and have those deep conversations is so important. Is there kind of like a group that you're with that does these, like has these kind of conversations and is available for people that are considering amputation? Yeah. Yeah, there are some groups. Um, like I, I ended up joining like a Facebook group, but that was really hard for me because some of that was just full of a lot of people that were, you know, mad at God, mad at everything, mm -hmm. at their spouse and and some of them are really sad stories. Like statistically, there's a lot, you know, with, you know, spinal cord injuries and amputations, there's a lot of divorces that happen. There's a lot of suicide that happens. And, and, um, and so some of the people there are struggling themselves and there are a few that, that got it. So I've always been kind of cautious of who I've talked to. And, you know, there, there was a time that I just like, I'm, I'm just going to deal with this on my own and find my own self uh, mm -hmm. through the pain and, and figure out how to overcome it myself. Uh, but I, I don't recommend that even now as I think it's good to talk to somebody, um, that, uh, that can kind of help you through, you know, your everyday struggles. And, you know, these support groups are, are handy. Like, um, uh, there's just like an amputee support help group that on Facebook that they'll, they've given me tips. Like if I broke something on my prosthetic or, if I'm having severe pain, like phantom pain in, in certain areas, uh, or my skin's breaking down, um, some of these advanced amputees were able to help me on like how to heal quickly or ways to um, negate uh, phantom pain um, ideas to try and trick the brain into thinking that you're, you are missing a limb when really sometimes I, I get these uh, sensations where I can still feel my feet and like someone's poking at them and that kind of stuff. So. Sure, it is definitely just finding someone that is in a good place that you can talk to versus getting bogged down with all the negativity as well. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. You know, I, I feel bad for people that that uh, um, are just so super negative. And I understand pain is is a driving force in, in people being negative. But, it you know, it, it doesn't have to be. I try mm -hmm. to use a lot of my pain as motivation to try to get better. Um, just because I, I had a lot riding, you know, I, I have a family and kids and a job that I still needed to support. And that was, you know, may sound like, oh, that sounds so rough, but really I'm grateful that I had that responsibility because it's what, you know, got me to the next level. It is hot. It is summer, but you know what is coming soon and it comes so fast fall. And that means back to school and all the hunts. I don't know about you, but I have been prepping for the hunts and getting back to school, 
and just getting back into the flow of things. And something that is crucial for that is having my favorite supplements and all my apparel on stock on hand. And this includes Mountain Ops. I personally have been loving the Mountain Ops Hydrate. This is advanced hydration. It's a little stick that you mix into water. They have incredible flavors like lemonade, a peach mango, I believe, and then a strawberry coconut. This just helps your hydration levels with potassium. It's less in sodium compared to other brands, if you know what I'm saying. Those ones that you can get at Costco, but like me. And it has low sugar, which is always a plus. I'm also recovering at night with my favorite, you know, if you've been around here a while, that is my slumber. It is a drink that you mix together again in water, super easy. They make them in trail packs as well for backpacking and your hunts and you mix it into water. I love my sleepy cider. It's got a mix of magnesium, valerian root, and then melatonin. And this helps you fall into a nice, beautiful, deep sleep. Honestly, I can sleep anywhere now, which is so rare. And I'm not worried about, you know, all the things like getting pulled out of a tent by a grizzly bear or just like, what's that sound? Or what do I need to do tomorrow? What's on the tap for tonight? La di da di da. All the things. If you have a racing mind like I do when it's time to lay down, this puts you into a nice, deep, beautiful sleep, helps recover your body. And also, you wake up the next day feeling rejuvenated. There's none of that grogginess. There's nothing worse than trying to get good sleep and waking up groggy. That is besides the point, if you ask me. You know we love their apparel, their hoodies, their women's workout crops, and recently we've fallen in love with their socks. If you want to shop our favorites or anything at Mountain Ops, go to mountainops.com and use my code BRITT, B-R-I-T-T, for 20% off. I'm so excited that they gave our audience's code for the foreseeable future. That is Brit with two T's for 20% off your order. You know what else you love about this place is with every order purchased, one mil is donated to a child in need. That's mountainops.com. Use our code Brit for 20% off. Once you go through that surgery, I'm sure your recovery is very long. Can you kind of walk us through what yeah. that looks like before you start into triathlons? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Recovery, recovery can be tough. Um, you know, I, I feel blessed for me. Recovery was well, um, you know, I talked to some amputee experts as far as, um, you know, doctors and prosthetists, um, my recovery for, you know, for a bilateral, that's what you call a double amputee. Um, usually it takes quite some time for them to adjust. Uh, to walking and then of course your limbs to adjust to the shape of the socket, um, the, the inflammation, the nerves, all those things of being weight bearing on a stump takes time. Um, some don't go so well. Sometimes they have to do new surgeries with the nerves or, you know, if it's a, a sur uh, you lose a limb to trauma, there's a lot more versus uh, surgical. Um, and so for me, I did have a couple bumps in the road. Um, I lost my leg just the first one in in the beginning of uh, 2015, and then I and I was going to do the other one later, but then I got an infection, so they had to amputate it again because it got so bad. And at that point is when they did the other leg, um, and uh, at that point, you know, that was a low low blow point, but. Um, 
once I got through the second amputation, things went really well. And it may be because I wore braces most of my life that I was able to rely on, on a mechanical device, I guess. Um, but you know, from there I just made this goal, you know, to, to do this Ironman, um, in the, in the hospital, actually it was on TV and that was my factor to be like, okay, so I'm just going to start from the bottom. I'm going to learn how to, you know, to walk. And so they first give you like a cane and some crutches and a walker to kind of like alternate different pressures. And then, um, you know, you, you can walk for like an hour that day and then eventually you can graduate to just a cane and then um, each day gets better and better. Um, some days it's tough because you push yourself and you, you know, you tear some skin inside your socket. So then you got to wait for that to heal. And then, um, you know, just consistently staying on to that point, you know, uh, with amputees, when you first lose a limb, it gets super inflamed because of all, you know, the what has happened. And so it takes time for all that water and your muscle to atrophy in there to get a certain shape. Because if that shape changes, then it doesn't feel good in your prosthetic and it hurts to walk. When it feels good is when you have that perfect fit and that weight on your stump and your prosthetic socket is evenly distributed. And when that happens, uh, that's the money, you know, you feel good, but then sometimes that weight causes the pressure or the, the inflammation to go down, which now you have a void and now you have pain in other areas. So it's like this game that you constantly are playing in the beginning. It's the most frustrating thing. And, and, uh, I worked, I managed a holiday in here in town and, um, I, my job, I was required to wear pants and it was just the biggest pain in the ass to, <laughs> to pull down my pants all the time to take my legs off so I can put socks in them so to, to fill in that void. Mm. Uh, and then after a couple of years is when usually that I stopped wearing socks and it's, it's stayed a consistent shape unless I, you know, go for long runs or long hikes, you know, and that's just natural. Our body changes, you know, with the water we take and the abuse that we give it. But um, that's kind of been, a roller coaster, I guess, to recover. But, you know, I, I did pick up fast. I was able to complete my first um, 5K uh, five months after my uh, amputations, um, which, you know, wasn't recommended by the doctor, but it was <laughs> just something that was available. And I've, I've never ran a race before in my life when I did that. I, I think I even threw up the night before. Um, I took like two Red Bulls because I didn't know how to train for 5K. <laughs> and I did like those like uh, cliff shots. Oh, yeah. And well. I had one of those. And like, I was just like, I'm going to puke because this is not how you do a 5K. <laughs> <laughs> your heart's racing through your chest. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, and I'm already you know, nervous too. So it was, oh, yeah. my first 5K was probably not the experience. <laughs> if you can imagine someone that's, out trying to run a race that's what it was like (laughs) but then it seems like you decided okay I want to do this and I want to kind of figure out the running because now it's yeah way past that yeah the running the running really was something that I hated as a kid because it hurt to run as a kid and I and physically I was um unable to run uh efficiently like we we remember in like second or third grade you get a timed um and you you know it was like a bragging thing for kids 
where in PE class you had to run around the soccer field, and I was the last kid. And 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 now you know I I kind of want a rematch against all those kids <laughs> that I love. Bring it on! Uh, but yeah, I know because now I love running, and 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 a lot of it I, I've had some good things go my way. I, I got a sponsorship through a comp, um, organization called Amputee Blade Runners, mm-hmm. uh, which they allow you know if you're uh, an athlete or someone that wants to run, really you don't even have to be an athlete. Um, uh, I can get, you know, if there's any amputees listening to this, if they're interested in running, please reach out to me because this organization provides free um, running prosthetics where normally your insurance wouldn't cover, which is a whole nother topic if you uh, if you want to go down the road. We don't need to, but insurances won't cover uh, prosthetics. Yeah, and, 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 and this company did. And so I flew out to Nashville, got fitted for running prosthetics and from there, it was just gangbusters where I started doing half marathons and marathons and, and um, I, I, I pursued the, the goal of doing the triathlons, um, half Ironmans, and then eventually competed in a full Ironman. Wow. And when was your first full Ironman? It was November uh, 2019. So it was the last race right before COVID and uh, um, Florida and... Uh, um, six months prior to that race, I had a, an infection similar to the one where they had to reamputate. Um, I, the f- part of the problem is when I first had my infection in the beginning of my surgeries, I didn't understand what was happening to my body. I just assume, you know, you're losing a limb, you're going to feel like, you know, crap. You're going to get, you know, your skin's going to turn yellow and you're going to have a fever. Well, I caught on to that the second time, went to the doctor, and they saved my limb, but we did have to drain it and cut open, and that put me out. Um, I thought for sure that was the end of my my race, and uh, I just had a really good coach, and and uh, I was very stubborn too, and we decided that we were going to train harder on the bike and the swim, um, and then and then bring into the running um, towards the end, and that you know honestly was the ticket. Like I. On the race, I crushed it on the the swim and the bike, and then I had the whole rest of the day to finish the run. So oh, cool! And what is that like? Because you were mentioning that you have blades for running. Do you have? Are you having to switch out as you go from one event to the other, like from running to swimming to biking? Is that add yeah. another element that most people aren't worried about? Yeah. Yeah, with with triathlons, they have certain rules mm-hmm. um, for amputees, and they've they kind of modded them over the years because there's there's you know been a few more tra- or challenge athletes is what I call them uh, amputees that are in competing. So for swimming, I really was trying to push for uh, them to make like some kind of mermaid <laughs> fin. <laughs> That'd be sweet. Uh, like that, I know you know. Uh, but, uh, no, you can't have any prosthetics. So I had to go just no, no legs, just straight stump. So the whole swim, you know, what, you know, 2.4 miles, uh, was, um, just my hands, you know, just your upper body. And then, um, from there it get out of the water and then they had, uh, the race director actually was my volunteer. He would bring me from the beach to my bike or to to, to a, a landing area where I had my 
my biking legs on and and my biking legs are different from my running blades they're like these big long poles that that have a, a pedal clip at the bottom and then i can just clip right in to my bike and then after uh at the end of the bike race uh is is where uh where i drop off my bike is where i have my running legs so they're it's a, it's kind of an, a pain in the butt traveling to a race, especially at the airport. You have like a whole separate bag for just legs. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and like, don't lose that. That's coming with me, right? Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's part of me. Don't, don't yeah. that one up. I, when I listen to your story about all this, the biggest thing that's sticking out to me is like your mindset. Like your body is tough and you've trained your body, but if it wasn't for your mindset going into all this, like all, all, most of this, it doesn't sound like it would happen. Like it has. Do you think that that's like a large part of your success? You know, we talk, talk a lot about grit. Um, and I, and I feel like grit is important. Um, but what really got me through a lot of, um, hard times and even on the race, itself like the actual iron man towards the end i really had a a block you know it was the last seven miles i had tons of blisters um i had uh uh you know i, I couldn't, couldn't you know eat i was throwing up um and i still had a lot left to go and i you know the race itself you can't just walk it through uh because they cut you off at certain times so I had to, I had to finish under 17 hours. Um, but for me, when I was kind of stressing about the race and, you know, whether I'm going to finish or not, mm. you know, from, you know, training for so many years to that point is I just started to keep my mindset in a peaceful, um, you know, powerful, uh, mental state. And, and when I think of thoughts, you know, the, the, the most powerful feeling that a, us humans can have is love. Um, the second most powerful, in my opinion, is gratitude. And I just sat there and started thinking about the things that I was grateful for, you know, on that race. Um, and it's it's worked for me through, you know, getting over um, depression and other surgeries that I had to deal with as an amputee. But on the race, I was just thinking about, you know, you know, things that I still had, like my hands and my family and my eyesight. And, you know, I had a job and just the, the opportunity that I was able to be there in in Florida racing, fulfilling this dream I've had for so many years and doing something I never thought was possible in my entire life. And, um, you know, I was very feeling very grateful. And then I started thinking about, you know, other parts of my bodies and I got down to my, my feet and I started thinking, you know, this is something that I, you know, I trained my brain to be angry about the, you know, given this awful situation. Um, and, uh, you know, I, for a moment, I even blamed God for giving me a curse of some sort. But then I started thinking about what my feet has done for me, especially as of recently. And, um, you know, I don't think I would have ever thought about doing an Ironman. I wouldn't have not met so many people in my life and opportunities that uh, have come my way, you know, my relationship with mountain ops and other organizations and then i you know thinking of friendships that i've made and people that i've helped um and the lessons that i've learned in life like patience and 
and which has made me a better spouse and a better employee and a better employer. Um, all those things I've learned from this trial of my legs. And as I was just thinking about all these things, my legs were moving faster and faster. I was able to, to gain a, a faster pace the last seven miles to where I was able to finish the race just by holding on to that, you know, gratitude mindset, which, you know, like I said, is, is a very, very powerful feeling that the mind can have. I agree. That is such a powerful story. And it, it goes to show genuinely how strong the mind can be like mind over matter. And it's amazing what your mind can do and make your body do with it because it's stronger than what you think. It takes lots of practice, you know, it doesn't happen overnight, but yeah, the mind, the mind is just like a muscle. It just, it still needs to be trained. Mm -hmm. Are there things that you do to train your mind? Yeah. You know, like practices you do. Um, I did the 75 hard not too long ago. I don't know if you've heard of that program. Um, those things like that. I like to, to keep big goals in mind, you know, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm doing, I'm still running, but I'm doing a lot of weightlifting. That's, that's been a kind of a new passion that I've been, you know, kind of explored to see what, what your body can handle. Uh, muscle that you can gain, things that I've you know always wanted to do, um, climb mountains. Um, uh, I've dabbled on the idea of of getting my master's degree, um, uh, swimming across uh, uh, the um, English Channel. So that's from France to England. These are all things that I've kind of gathered into my wow. goal sets, kind of a five year plan on things I want to accomplish. Um, those, those things are just constantly setting goals, big goals, um, and then crossing them off and moving on to the next one. Don't, don't think about, uh, in fact, sometimes I'll like for the Ironman, I chart, I started thinking, you know, what I'm going to do next before I even finish the race. Um, I think that's, you know, pretty good. Cause I don't, I don't think it's good to have a, a break. Um, cause that, that can get also very comfortable to get into that break. That's why a lot of times you see people go on these big yo-yo diet plans is, is they, um, they, they let it slide and it's so fast how bad we can get into a pit without even knowing it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I think it's good too. Like once you start pushing yourself, it's amazing how, like you're saying, these bigger goals and aspirations you start setting for yourself. You're like, well, I did that. Wonder if I can do this. Yep. So you also work with like it's called do Utah, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Do Utah. It's okay. a nonprofit. Yep. And what is it that they do? Can you yep. kind of tell us about do yep. Utah? So do Utah is a nonprofit organization that's uh, it's, you know, 501 C three that we've um, established here. And it, it, well, it first was in Texas and then um, I brought it up in, in Utah to started our own chapter. Um, and by doing so, you know, it, it's, it makes it easier, although we do work closely with um, other chapters like the one in Texas. Uh, but here in Utah, we, we provide um, outdoor experiences for people that are, you know, disabled or have their own challenges. Um, and uh, we do anything, anything from hunting to fishing, um, guide them on and mentor them on uh an outdoor lifestyle like it's not just we don't really want to encourage people to come hunt with us just so they can pull the trigger it Mm -hmm. it uh 
it uh, needs to be um, someone that's going to be inspired and they want to change their life for it. And those are the type of people that we try to assist on and try to get them feel comfortable where they can do it on their own or even, you know, motivate others to do that themselves. Because really, you know, I've learned as a double amputee that, you know, I, there are hunters out there obviously that do things way more efficient than I do, but I can still do almost anything anybody else can do. I just have to do it differently. And same thing goes with people that are, you know, paraplegic or missing limbs or have, you know, other injuries. Um, and so we try to offer, you know, give those people the opportunity. We have lots of equipment. Um, we do all um, events, you know, like we recently did a youth shed hunt where we got kids and we, they were able to find a bunch of sheds and, um, we had about 30 disabled kids and they thought that was the coolest thing ever to find these, these sheds. Um, and it was, it was awesome. And then this fall we were planning on looking at about 20, um, big game hunts that we, uh, we mentor and guide on, um, and get people going in the outdoors. That's incredible. And so you're just really kind of helping introduce them and give them the tools in their toolbox essentially to go out and be able to do tools it. and confidence. You know, I, I, there's a lot of people even now that, uh, that I know are outdoorsmen that are disabled. I'm like, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of program states that offer, uh, um, oppor- you know, better opportunities for people that are disabled. You know, for example, in Utah, you have the opportunity to on a general tag, you can hunt as long as you qualify, you can hunt five days early. Um, in New Mexico, you have a special draw mm. in, um, uh, call or Wyoming, you can hunt a few days early on a draw tag. And there's other states that offer tags at discount or um, special units that are just for disabled individuals. And a lot of people don't know about that. Um, and, I, you know, sometimes they're really, really good. Sometimes they're okay. But I always tell people on the really, really good ones, it's worth cutting your legs off for because it's, it's a pretty good hunt. <laughs> Where is it? Is there like a website that people can go to support yeah. this or look at events that maybe they can go volunteer? Yeah. Uh, social media is one way, uh, which is at uh, uh, do underscore Utah. So D-O underscore U-T-A-H. Um, or you can go to our website, which is uh, doutah.org. And then there's a you know link there for being outdoorsmen or if you want to donate or volunteer your time, there's a link there as well that we can we can capture information and, and hopefully look out to our, our next event probably where we'll have a lot of people will be our ice fishing event, which has been a big one. We'll have, you know, two, 300 people show up at that one. So and that usually is falls in January. Awesome. And where's that usually? Hosted? Um, uh, we talked about another location closer to Salt Lake. Um, the only problem is that those ice doesn't mm-hmm. melt as quickly. Uh, so the last two years we've done it out here mm-hmm. in Vernal, uh, where I live, um, and we've had a pretty good turnout. So mm-hmm. I guess to be announced on where it's going to be, but it, it's probably going to be either in Salt Lake area yeah. or over here. Yeah. Well, and that's true. I mean, like, if we it, had the winter we had last year, <laughs> right. go anywhere. Anywhere. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. It definitely depends on the weather and what's happening because some years it's like, is there even ice on these lakes? You're getting into that ice fishing stuff, aren't you? Yeah. Um, ice fishing. Yeah. I have an interesting story with ice fishing, why it's taken me so long to actually get on the lake. In, like, in short, I fell through the ice when I was little. 
well, oh, well no. we were ice fishing on strawberry so that's in utah and oh. it was it took a lot for me T- speaking of mindset <laughs> so yeah we went i went for my first time since then a couple years ago and it was one of those like i did it it's okay and now the last few years going i've really enjoyed it just getting past like the cracking noise it's okay Britt. it's okay <laughs> yeah no whenever i take someone for the first time that's always one that they've always been worried about. I, I fell through twice. In fact, that's funny that you say that. My very first ice fishing experience um, was at Strawberry, and mm-hmm. I was underdressed. I didn't. I was wearing boots. I had, you know, meat legs is what I call them. <laughs> I fell through the ice on my very first trip. So you would think that it was traumatizing, but um, I only went waist deep, oh. and I was able to get out. So it wasn't too bad. Uh, gotcha. but, uh, and we actually sat there and we caught like two fish, but then the wind picked oh, right up on. and my leg was wet and it was like, I need to get out of here. Cause I'm going to, I'm not going to lose my legs to I'm <laughs> losing the frostbite for sure. Yeah. Ours was, we were on the snowmobiles. We were out away from shore, fell through on the Oof. snowmobiles and I was like Oof. eight or 10. And we had all of our snow gear on. We had our helmets on. It was, we were lucky there was guys over on the shore because they ended up having to like belly crawl out to us. He yanked my sister out and then I wouldn't swim towards them because I was worried about my dad being little. And I just remember they were like, were like, start taking off all your snow coats because it was just like weighing us down. So yeah, we were like treading. It was something else, but, but we made it. And my dad went back with my uncle and they recovered the snowmobile from the bottom of the lake and they called it the Titanic and it ran again. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I love cool. adventure stories. Like that. I'm glad nobody got hurt. hurt yeah. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I remember just getting in freezing and yeah, it was, you know, going back and telling mom, especially cause we didn't have cell phones back then. So it was like walking into the house, like, well, <laughs> fishing was interesting. <laughs> So now when I get like the panics about my kids going with just Cody and I'm not there, I'm like, this is why, like, because I'm so used to like my dad and I always ending up in some kind of situation. So when Cody says he's going ice fishing, I'm going with, cause I want to know what's happening. I, uh, I have to bribe. If, if something crazy happens, I have to bribe the kids be like, all right, so we're not going to tell mom a lie. <laughs> I'm just going to skip that part. It's a big difference. <laughs> yeah. How was I? It was fun. That's all we say. <laughs> that's all we do. Exactly. Exactly. I'm pretty sure, Sydney, now that I say that, that's the conversations that happen with my husband and my boys before they get home. I'm on to you, Cody. <laughs> Be honest with yourself. How old's your cooler? Or, like, do you even have a cooler? <laughs> a good cooler? Like, a cool cooler? You know what I mean? I have tried all the coolers on the market. We, I think, have one in every flavor, if you will. And there was one that stood out to me. And I have to say, I am glad I tried this one out. Because if you're like me, I was sick of lugging one around, one that wasn't holding ice, and one that I had to dig to the bottom of the damn cooler to get what I was looking for. Like, there's nothing worse than pulling out soggy something that did not need to be at the bottom of said cooler. 
I found a cooler with organization and that is lightweight. So lightweight. In fact, this weekend I'm going to be throwing it into the lake with me so I can keep my seltzers nice and cold. The water's cold for the kids, a snacks organized and float in the lake with me. Yep. It floats. Oh, and did you hear the part about the organization? Yes, it organizes. It has a divider. This is like right up your OCD alley, but also super practical. It has a divider so you can keep your drinks, your snacks divided and you know exactly where everything is. And it has a snack rack. You know I'm here for a snack rack. That way, you know exactly where your yogurts, your string cheeses are, your cheese for your sandwiches and the lid, it flips. So you can either have it to where it's the plain lid up front where it's got like the measuring stick or flip it over. Guess what? That boy boy has a little snack area where you can put like a charcuterie board if you wanted and four cup holders, which makes it super nice when you're flowing on the lake or just sitting at camp and you want somewhere to put your drink. If you want to check out this cooler that I'm talking about, it is Rugged Road Coolers. You can go to ruggedroadoutdoors.com forward slash long to check out all the different sizes of these Rugged Road Coolers. I have to say, I was truly blown away by these. They are, in fact, lightweight, floatable. They have floatability. The lid flips easily and I'm obsessed with the carrying handles. If you know, you know. It makes it so much easier to have either a big sturdy handle or a rope handle to carry with. And like I said, that divider is a game changer, especially when it comes to camping or having it in the back of your vehicle when it comes time for reaching for snacks or drinks. You know where things are and you're not digging for it, getting something soggy and ruining the trip, if you will. Again, if you need to upgrade your cooler, go to ruggedroadoutdoors.com forward slash long, and this will get you 10% off your next amazing lightweight organized cooler. Again, that's ruggedroadoutdoors.com forward slash L-O-N-G for 10% off your next cooler. Speaking of that, how is it taking your kids and introducing your kids to the outdoors? Is that something that they love to go and do with you? Sounds like your trips yeah. are fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, I actually enjoy that more than doing it myself. Um, especially like with my son and it's it, it, like, there's just a bond him and I have like, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, hang out or we'll you know every once in a while we'll play video games but for the most part like the outdoors is where we have our time and usually it's ice fishing Mm -hmm. and he's at that age right now 14 and he's picked up a skateboard well i don't skateboard for obvious reasons (laughs) um i would like to but it's it's something that he's really into um and he's got friends that are skater kids even has little Jocko pants and everything like he's, he's, it's kind of cracks me up. Um, but he, those, those times I'm trying to, you know, enrich in his life and he enjoys it because I remember that was my relationship with my dad. And those are memories I still think about, you know, I'm now 40 years old and I still think about those memories I had with my dad and my grandpa and the same mm-hmm. thing with my dad, the same memory he's always remembered as his best memories is with his, his dad and grandpa. And so that's kind of the reward behind it. It's not necessarily killing things or, or have, you know, an awesome, you know, catching lots of fish. It's more about those memories you spend together, the, you know, the junk food that you get at the gas station that mom would never let you buy, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. the getting up early experience 
something, you know, the sound of an elk and or seeing things in, in the Uintas that most people would never see in their life. Those kind of things. It's like that's that to me is the is is the best. Um, so my son's really into it. My girls are are pretty girly, but they will come. They will do the fishing. Um, and then my 12 year old just uh, she's really fond of my bird dog. They're like best friends, and she expressed interest in pheasant hunting. So we're going to be doing that this fall. Cool. That's exciting. I think, and your kids sound like they're at the age, too, where, like, you've been bringing them along and kind of showing them and teaching them. But I'm sure you're seeing this probably, too, especially with your son. Like, now you can kind of sit back a little bit. Like, with fishing, he's probably tying his own knot and hooking things up, picking his bait. And it's kind of interesting, like, whoa, I just kind of sit here and, like, let you do your thing and give you pointers now instead of, like, <laughs> doing everything. He, that is true. And and he, he's, he still needs a little help if, like, a, mm-hmm. if a fish swallows, like, a small hook and it's in their belly. Like, I mean, obviously, that's not easy for anybody. But mm-hmm. for the most part, yeah, he, he does himself and. The only the only part that aggravates me a little bit is when he outfishes me, and I'm like, "Now wait a second, I taught you." Anything. He's not humble about it. Like he'll remind me things. He'll send me pictures of his fish that was bigger than mine, and he'll say things like, "You know, hey dad, you know, remember that one time when you were helping me fish, and and there's a big fish come up, and and you were supposed to grab it, and you lost the fish at the hole." Like he brings that up like on a monthly basis. Sounds accurate for sure. For sure. It's like bittersweet too. Like not needing to help him, but helping a little bit. And you're quite the fisherman. There's one thing that like Cody and I can admit it's, we're not the best. Like we'll fish, we'll try, but we sit and look at your pictures and all the time Cody's like, what the hell? Like (laughs) we can't, we need to fish like Sydney. (laughs) Is fishing something you grew up with? yeah, not not really. Like my grandpa's the one that I went fishing with the most, and my my mom did. We did a lot of river fishing. My mom and I when we went to family reunions. But like, I I think with fishing, uh, I really didn't take off till you know my father in law. He's really obsessed with fishing, and he's actually the one that introduced me to ice fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it helps where I live, so I. I, I don't know if I want you to have this on the podcast. I may have you edit it because I don't want this all my places exposed. I'll take it out. I'll take it out. I, I get uh, it. No, no, no. You don't need to. I'm just teasing. <laughs> but we have one of the best bass lakes, um, thirty minutes from my or twenty minutes from my house. I have mm-hmm. a really good fishery that has bluegill the size of your face and and you know eighteen twenty one to twenty two inches of trout. You know twenty to thirty minutes away. Uh, the best river fishery, um, I think, in the state, the Green River, and then my favorite fishery of all time is is Flaming Gorge, where you have Monster Lakers, Kokanee, Burbot, Smallmouth, uh, Rainbows, Cutthroats. It's it's a pretty awesome awesome lake. So that's 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 hard to beat. Starvation that's hard yeah. like hard to beat. Walleye big rainbows so it, it helps that i live in a great place like that so yeah you really do you live in like an awesome place that's we were actually talking about um flaming gorge because i've never been and they're like oh that's why that's oh. why we haven't caught the big fish Britt. and i just heard like it's beautiful it is especially on the utah side 
um, that the the launch the launch at uh, Sheep Creek, if you come if you come to that way, is it's mm-hmm. spectacular. Good the canyons are beautiful. Um, bighorn sheep, you know, you could be fishing and there's bighorn sheep sitting in the cliff watching you fish. It's it's pretty impressive. Wow. So. Yeah. Any tips for us fishing? Like, just find a good spot and like, are you using something certain that works good for you? For Flaming Gorge? Yeah. I I would say the best way to get introduced to to fishing the gorge is doing it on the ice. Really? Um, and if you have a, yep. Just be, unless, unless you have a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unless you have a boat that has proper equipment, downriggers, um, oh. uh, you could still do it with digging. But uh, I think that's the best way to learn the lake because you can catch, um, you know, you could fish it early in the morning and fish all day and then stay till, you know, midnight and catch burbot um, and just kind of understand their patterns and how they respond. Cause it's different with lake trout. You don't like sit there. Well, my success, I don't just sit there and let them take it. You kind of like play with them a little bit and you have to entice them by letting them chase it away from your lure. And that's what t- anticipates the bite. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they're big, you can get like a little, you know, I, well, it's, it sounds like this is a big fish, but you can get like a 21, 22 inch you know, lake trout, which is just a baby, or you can get, you know, 30, 35 inches, you know, 20, 30 pound pig through the ice. I wouldn't even know. know what to do. <laughs> I'm like used to holding well, you it don't like freak this. <laughs> like, look at my yeah. fish versus like, oh yeah, big nope. fish status. They, they can get big. In fact, this, the story of my son's fish that it, we weren't, anticipating a big one where we were at we were actually targeting smaller ones and it just so happened that he caught one on light tackle um and i the only reason why i couldn't get it through the hole is that my hole was too small that's how big that fish was wow and it was it's still to this day like i it still can see it's like nose coming out of the hole and i'm trying to figure out how to get my hand around it it was it was embarrassing, to say the least. I don't talk about it because it was uh, there. Uh, there were so many ifs. Like I could have drilled a hole next to it, or I could have grabbed uh-huh. another hook and like hooked them better. And I'm like, I don't know. I so many what ifs, but yeah. yeah. But it turned out how it did. Now it's his favorite story to tell. I'm sure. Yeah. Now it's one way he likes to throw it in my face. So. Mm-hmm. I know. I see all the time too. After you've fished, you're then firing up your trigger and smoking a lot of your fish is that yeah. correct yeah can you give us like what's one of your go-to things to make on the trigger with like let's with say fish. fish yeah the absolute best like i mean i i like it i mean i'm not trying to brag but i like it better than anything in a restaurant um mm-hmm. is cedar plank uh kokanee salmon so you you soak the cedar wood so it's um so it uh is you know, kind of soggy a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when you smoke it, you actually smoke it at the mid to high level because uh, you don't want to dry it out. But fish absorbs the smoke super well. Mm-hmm. I usually use like a ochre alder wood. Um, and then uh, I've been trying with different seasonings. Uh, Chad Mendez has a pretty good seasoning that uh, kind of has a ginger uh, flavor to it. Uh, Hush has one that's a lemon... Um, uh, lemon pepper one Traeger has some really good ones. 
Um, it's called the Everything Rub, and just basically a light, light, light brush of uh, mayonnaise, and then I just sprinkle that on there, and then I mean you can be eating some of the best fish of your life within 20, 30 minutes after oh, that. Yeah. What are you usually smoking it at? Like temperature? Uh, 375, 350 okay. to 375. Mm-hmm. So that it's sounds not, good. If, if it depends if I want to eat it right off the grill, if I'm going to do a cold smoke, which means I like I'll smoke it for a lot longer. I'll go like 180 and then let it get to temperature longer and then I'll put it in the fridge or even the freezer and then, you know, you just open it up and I don't even heat it. It's just like eating candy at that point. Oh, yum. Yeah. Ooh, definitely going to try that. I haven't I think I don't know if I have smoked anything on a plank on my Traeger. I've done it with my father-in-law, but I need to need to get that out and definitely do that cuz that sounds delicious. Oh, it's good. And then I throw on a little mango salsa on top of that. Oh, that, yeah. That makes it even better. Are you making that homemade? No. Oh. No. I I don't uh, not that tedious to make mango salsa, but I <laughs> I just buy it at the store. Got it. I was like, "Wow, you are quite the chef." <laughs> no. <laughs> no, not there yet. <laughs> I know you just finished up a bear hunt in Idaho, I believe, right? Yeah, I think we were hunting the same time because I was in bear camp when you posted your picture. And oh, yeah. I was with my guide. He's like, holy crap. It's like, yeah, I don't get it. I didn't even think there were that many big bears like that in, in, in Utah. But yeah. <laughs> it's it, that was a beautiful bear. And I think Thank I sent you. you a picture of one. That, I, I mean, I was I was bear jealous. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> berry jelly? Yeah, berry jelly. But, uh, I was I because that that color that color cinnamon color was the exact bear that we were trying to get him to pat like we thought we had a pattern and mm-hmm. like he would show up at like eleven o'clock at night which is obviously too dark to shoot yeah. and then like we he'd show up at four thirty in the morning which was it, up there in northern Idaho was actually light enough to shoot oh wow pretty pretty well like four forty five so we were sitting there at three the next morning. So I was just like, oh my gosh. Dude, like, I bears are smart. Bear I know. It's like we a whole different kind of hunt. Fruity pebble. <laughs> oh, we tried everything. And, and like the sows would come and the cubs, mm-hmm. but yep. um, which was good because that would help bring the boars in. Mm-hmm. But the boars would never come. We were either there on that bait pile or almost all of them would come at like midnight to three in the morning mm-hmm. i mean it would be just be like a bear fest oh yeah it's so frustrating like going back and looking at the trail camera pictures and we'd be like we sat in the tree stand for a week which was very cool to be able to like actually sit and watch bears and listen to them and get an idea of everything and same we had a mom with two cubs coming in every day but then you would leave we'd walk out and leave and then you would check trail cam pictures and it's like 20 minutes after you leave till right before light. They're in there all night. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but they're smart. They are smart yep. creatures. So you never, you didn't oh, end up uh, getting you one. Nope. Um, Damn. I got an invite to come back in the fall. Uh, Perfect. Which hopefully I have enough time to work to do that. But, you know, it's... I don't know. He my he also invited my son, the guy that I was hunting with. So we we might try that. Um, the uh, 
I've never shot a bear or even hunted for bear or even been a part of a bear hunt. So I, I had no idea what we were getting into. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a we whole did. new experience. There was a oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was a houndsman that he had contacted that was up there and had called us and said that, you know, they got a bear on a run. Uh, you know, we couldn't shoot it. There were certain rules in Idaho. You need a special uh, tag. Mm-hmm. But we were able to see it, and that was that was exhilarating. You know, we got the bobcats, or not bobcats, cougars that were treed. Oh, cool. And I've never experienced that. Like, I, I always find it entertaining. Like, I'm coming home from Flaming Gorge, fishing for bourbon at night at 2 in the morning, and there's a snowstorm, and it's like negative 20 degrees. And here are these guys in their trucks with their dogs hanging out of their Toyota and uh, they're driving real slow. Oh, man. Houndsmen are a different breed. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even like the word hunting doesn't even like come to mind. They're almost like, like, yeah, yeah, they are hunters, but I wouldn't compare them to like an elk hunter. Like they have this whole nother obsession and they're like, they're like different dudes. Like, I'm oh, not yeah. saying they're bad. Like, I like hounds. <laughs> yeah. But like they're. I wouldn't put them in the same category. They're that much different than than your typical, you know, mm-hmm. you know your west, you know, big that type of thing. Uh, but I get it. Like I could see why they love it so much, and it's awesome. Like some people that are avid fishermen, they don't understand why I'm obsessed with with ice fishing. Yeah, I, I mean, I just tell them it's like, well, I don't get cold feet. That's my that's my favorite <laughs> thing. So there you go. Everyone has their own quirk. Yeah, there you go. Silver linings. You mentioned that you're going to be possibly going back for the bear hunt in the fall. Do you have any other fun upcoming adventures? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, um, I have my son and I both drew third season Colorado oh, nice. um, mule deer um, on the eastern side of the state. And then I also drew an antelope tag, but I don't, I don't think I could afford to do both. So I may turn that one back in. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, uh, I'm mentoring a, a, a young man on Diamond Mountain, which is a limited entry um, tag. Uh, that's kind of been my big hunt this year for disabled outdoorsmen. It's it's kind of a sad one because he's my son's age. Um, mm. We took him out pheasant hunting. He's just a sweet kid, just a nice kid. But unfortunately, he's he has a, a rare disease um, that this will be his last year hunting because he is terminal. Um, and so this, this will be a very special hunt that this year for him. Um, another big hunt that I have planned, uh, is my dad drew a, uh, boulder elk tag and that one, um, he's waited like 26 years. Um, and, and this one I'm really excited about just because my dad's never shot an elk before. He's always shot deer is he's always, you know, put in for Utah. You know how that goes. Um, and he uh, he finally drew this tag, but unfortunately, a couple of years ago, he had a heart attack, and, it, and it's kind of put him back physically, mentally. So it will be a challenge. So even though this is arguably the best unit in the state for elk, uh, we're not looking for you know Mister Four Hundred. We're just looking for a mature bull um, and get some of the bugle, and uh, we may be done in the first morning. Yeah. <laughs> <Who knows? laughs> Hey, sometimes that's the way to go. I like hearing all these hunts you have coming up. I am rooting for you and everyone that you are taking out. It sounds like it's going to be an incredible fall. 
Well, it sounds like you guys are going to be incredible fall. I think I need to go to Vegas with you guys. <laughs> I know, huh? Our luck is just like on fire lately. Except for, you know what? We didn't draw anything in the state of Utah for actual like big game hunts. So, But I'm like, it's okay, Cody. We can oh, take that. <laughs> it's all right. It's not the it, worst thing. It's fine. We did my bear hunt. He's got that antelope tag that he won at the expo. And then he's they're also doing Colorado. So. And then plenty of friends to help this nice. year. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Keep you guys busy. Yes. Busy's good. We like being busy. And honestly, if we're not hunting, it's like, all right, who has a hunt? Who can we go help? And that's, I think that's the beauty of hunting, as you know, is like, sometimes it's even more, like, yes, having your own tag is fun, but man, getting out and helping someone else is awesome. Oh, especially in the disabled community, because I mean, to them, I mean, we, I helped a young man that was, uh, uh, that killed a doe, antelope doe and to the big game community, you have your, you know, I don't know, your bison number one, maybe and your elk two, and then you have your deer and then you have your squirrels and then you have your antelope does. <laughs> yeah. And, Ooh, but uh, they're tasty. He shot that. Oh, they are. They are good. I, I mean, a little facetious, but like the, for him, when he shot that thing, it looked like he shot like a 400 inch bull. Like he was that ecstatic. Which makes you that excited too. Oh yeah. That's all like, I, when he shot, it, I was like, yeah, sweet. And then when I saw his excitement, I was like, Oh my gosh. I remember that. Like when I first shot my first two point, when I was 14, it's like, <laughs> I remember that feeling, you know, shaking and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So like, I, I, I get that, you know, a hundred percent. So that's, that is good that you're you're out there helping people. I, I I hate that feeling when you're in the fall. My wife likes to go camping, mm-hmm. and we're up there in September, and the leaves are changing, and I'm not hunting. I'm just supposed to enjoy the mountains. Yeah, major I, FOMO. I can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. We like getting out and helping, and it's one of those things too. Like I don't know when you just love it that much, and it's as you know something that just soothes the soul, and like that's just where we're happy it's hard not to go there. And it's one of those things too. Like it's not the reason why we go help. We help because we care about these people and we enjoy it, but it always comes back around. Like, you know, it's like the circle of helping everybody out. Like I'll come help you. And then maybe one day, like you find out who your friends are kind of a thing. Exactly. No, I, I've, I've made so many good relationships, so many opportunities. I never thought I would have just by, helping people. And I've had, in fact, I got one yesterday or last week, a guy just said, Hey, I noticed you help a lot of people. I would love to help you. And I'm like, you don't need to do that. And he says, no, no, no. I got this property in, 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 in Idaho with lots of ducks. Would you and your son and your dog love to come hunt ducks? I'm like, Oh man, you know, yeah. of course. Yes. <laughs> of course. I know it is cool. It's funny. The friends that you make over the time and like, and then when you look back and be like, that's weird. I ran in like our friendship has been going this long and you're just someone that I ran into on the mountain and decided to like help me look for an elk, you know, it's pretty cool. The relationships that can be made. Definitely. Sid, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. I could just seriously keep talking to you all day (laughs) and learn so much from you. Yeah. Likewise. I'd love to, to out guys you seem like a really cool family that loves the outdoors so if you ever come to vernal please look us up and we'll we'll go fishing yeah i will for sure i will take you up on that it'd be fun okay let's do it 
yeah, let's do it. Where can everyone find you and the website or how can they help with Do Utah? Give us all the details. Yeah, so with Do Do Utah, um, it's uh, D-O-U-T-A-H.org. Uh, if you go on there, that's probably the best way with, with it has the links that you could, you know, um, volunteer your time or, or donate. Amputee Blade Runners, if you want, you could DM me or they're at amputeebladerunners.com. Um, for those amputees that might be listening and then, um, or if you know an amputee that wants to run or just me, I, I, social media, I, uh, Instagram probably is the best. Um, that's, uh, T R I underscore no feet and O F E E T. Perfect. No and people can't, you can, you do like speaking engagements too, correct? Yes. Yeah, correct. If you want, um, I keep forgetting to bring that up. It's, <laughs> When we start talking hunting, my mind's not thinking about I know, other huh? things. So <laughs> I, I do public speaking. I, I, I share my story. I, I talk a little bit of kind of what we talked about today, but I bring in more other aspects such as like for, uh, faith and purpose and failures um, on top of gratitude and um, finding your your inner heroes. Um, so it, 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 I usually speak for anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. Um but yeah, I've, I've traveled a little bit for it. Um, I usually am free to do that as long as it works well with my work schedule. Um, so if, if, if someone's interested, please reach out there too. Well said, I look forward to meeting you and hanging out in person sometime. And you're always welcome to come back on the podcast if you have any. We'll follow up with you maybe in the fall and see how your hunts go or before the ice fishing event. And yeah, we'd love to come out and help. Let's do it. Love to have you. Please don't forget to subscribe. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating interview. It seriously helps more than you know. If you took something away from this podcast or you enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of you listening to it or a selfie and tag us on Instagram at The Reckoning Podcast or me at Brittany.long. We're excited to chat with you next week. <laughs>